Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast 66 for Thursday, June 17th, 2010. The website is klezmerpodcast.com, and you can send me email to keith at klezmerpodcast.com. My interview guests on this episode of the podcast are Maxwell Street Klezmer Band members Lori Lippitz and Alex Kaufman. I'm going to get to the interview in just a moment, but before I do, I thought I'd play a track from one of the Maxwell Street Klezmer Band albums. This is Abigazint, a vocal by Lori Lippitz, off their album Eight Nights of Joy. Okay, so now that you have an idea of what Chicago-style klezmer sounds like, here's my interview with Lori Lippitz and Alex Kaufman of Maxwell Street Klezmer Band. Okay, this is Keith with Klezmer Podcast, and I'm visiting with uh, Maxwell Street Klezmer Band from the Chicago area in the United States, and I'm visiting with Lori and Alex, uh, good afternoon. Lori, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Keith. Great. 
Hello, been... Keith. This is Alex. Hello, Alex. Uh, very nice to meet you. Tell me a little bit about the background of Maxwell Street and uh, why you got involved to get the band together and uh, how you found everybody in your band. Okay, I'll take it up to 1990, then I'll hand it over to Alex. How's that sound? I started in 1983. I was a, a graduate student at the University of Chicago. Um, University of Chicago motto, where fun goes to die. Anyway, we, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was studying, uh, that's true, I've seen it on a t-shirt. I was studying Slavic studies at the time, and uh, at the same time, uh, I was approached by a, another uh, musician uh, who was a member of Balkan Rhythm Band, really uh, formerly a great Chicago band, and they uh, uh, said, well, we're interested in starting a klezmer band. And we, we, we tried out together. We tried like one gig together. I was a singer at that time, just a folk singer uh, who did some Yiddish. Uh, and we tried a gig together, and I, I thought, you know, I never would have thought of starting a band before, but I thought I had a different approach, you know, both to the music to the vision of what the music meant to me and so on. And I thought, well, I'd like to try this myself. So it was 1983, and we kind of broke into three bands. Uh, and uh, one of them uh, is still very much up and running, that Chicago Klezmer Ensemble, and myself, Maxwell Street Klezmer Band. I had originally heard Klezmer music on our local classical music station. It has a, a folk music show called uh, The Midnight Special, and they had been playing uh, tracks from the Klezmorum when their first albums were coming out, the Berkeley band, Klezmorum. And I heard that, and I thought, oh, this is, this is great. You know, we need this in Chicago. So I started to get motivated in the, in the late 70s, but I didn't actually act on it till, uh, till uh, uh, I decided to take a break on my, uh, on my graduate studies and do a band for a couple of years, and here I am. Uh, you said about finding members. Um, I was not circulating in the jobbing musician world or even the professional music, musical world at the time, so I just asked friends and they referred friends. I asked people over at the local music store that I knew. You know, it was a very um, kind of a, a blind, <laughs> <laughs> grasping around kind of thing. But eventually, uh, trial and error... Um, we did settle on uh, musicians that we are uh, that we we've been pretty pretty much the same group for probably 50, yeah, ten to fifteen out of our twenty five years. Right, that's pretty good to uh, keep everybody together that long. Well, we we ended up with a group of people that that actually really likes each other. It takes a while, and it, I I would recommend for anyone uh, who is younger than twenty five years old in terms of a band is if you want to get to that. Um, ripe old age, uh, definitely be flexible in terms of your staffing. If, if the chemistry's not right, you know, um, you know, just just uh, move on a little bit, and you'll find the people that that uh, enjoy making music with you, and that's that's the way to go with it. And uh, I was playing at a restaurant. We used to have a, a, a gig a couple nights a week at a at a Croatian bar called the Cafe Continental. Uh, and uh, at that time, someone brought in this new Russian immigrant uh, from Minsk 
to sit in with the band, and his name was Alex Kaufman. And he took out his violin, and he looked like he was about 14 years old. So, you know, but it was a slow night, so I thought, okay, whatever. So he came and sat in with us and played Chardash Monty. And, you know, and I looked at him and I said, you know, sign that kid up. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so still there. When, yeah, that's when Alex joined, and uh, you want to take it from there, Kaufman? <clears throat> okay. So... Yes, it is true. So I was at the cafe and I was listening. And here's what here's from my side of the story. I sort of was looking for changing my career, and I didn't even think about being violinist because everyone would tell me that it is impossible to be a musician and 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 to support um, to support family, get married, and all of that stuff. And so I started already uh, computer courses, and I was pretty much involved with that. And then uh, when I went into this Café Continental and and I hear the band playing, something really um, turned me upside down and I just closed my eyes for a second and I felt, wow, there's some kind of call inside of me. Something is is really magnetizing me to this music, to this band. And I thought, then first of all, some pictures from my really childhood came out because it was still that time back in Minsk when, you know, my family was, um, my family is very musical family. Everyone would get together and there would not be one celebration without singing and dancing and picking up instruments and continue celebration that way. And lots of jokes, lots of, lots of singing. And um, my grandfather was a real um, scholar as far as, um, uh, Yiddish and Jewish culture, and he was collecting uh, some LPs, and even though some of them were not available in the stores, he would trade them in the black market and so on. And he would always play it for me and say, "You have to listen to this. This is our, this is our music." And I remember that I liked it, and I remember that I, I memorized a couple of songs. And then, of course, I went to uh, study at the musical college first and then uh, conservatory of music and practically speaking didn't really try anything of that um, the music the classical music the Yiddish music was sort of way 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 somewhere and the um, unreachable I would say pretty much and was not played anywhere no one knew what, what's going on in that in that world and then here I am I just basically immigrated a year ago when I'm at this uh, cafe listening to live performance of the band of that, you know, beautiful music and I and I and I remembered the words of my grandfather and everything just kind of came to me like a big um, uh, like, like, like a big uh, excitement idea hey, what if I tried do something with the band. So yes, I did play with the band at that night when uh, at the beginning, and then I still was continuing my my courses uh, with the computer. And then one day I graduated and I started sending my resumes. And there was a time when they actually granted me um, a work uh, through uh, to the company, Big Patrola Company. 
uh, and that was like a big, big, big deal for me. So I had to decide whether I'm going to go and continue a career as a programmer or doing something else, uh, which is, you know, doing perhaps doing some klezmer and uh, some music. Um, there was a couple of things that, that happened on the way. There was a wonderful gentleman who uh, gave me a very nice violin and said that this violin is magical, and it was magical. So I started sort of circulating among the among the um, among the musicians, and uh, soon I, I approached Lord and said, "Listen, I have to make it. I have to make a, a decision. The decision is very serious. So how about if um, we just make some kind of partnership and?" You know, I'll try to do all my best to um, make the band, you know, to to uh, basically bring the band into bring the band into a, a new level. And I was I said that you know I'll honestly dedicate all my talents that I have. And so the, I think the, the deal was 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 struck pretty fast. <laughs> I'll interject that one of the. Um First of all, the magical violin was that it was a very fine violin, and it was lent to Alex by a uh, a wealthy lawyer who heard him play and said, "You shouldn't be playing on this rubbish. You know, you can use my violin." And uh, that was is uh, is a good amateur, the lawyer, who just appreciated a you know a, a, a classically trained fine musician and and decided to help him out because you weren't allowed to take good instruments out of Russia. So Alex had sort of a, a cheapo German junkie violin with him. That was one thing. But the other thing that was kind of cool was Alex says that he was driving, uh, where was it, Alex, on your way to the interview or something? And well, he was on the radio? What uh, was that? Right, there was, uh, there was this, uh, after the graduating classes, we would go and, continue practicing in front of the computer. So I would spend like 12 hours in front of the computer trying to, you know, make myself better at computers, science, whatever. And then I would, you know, exhausted, I was driving back home. And in the car I was listening to the uh, classical station and they played uh, violin concerto by Tchaikovsky and that's the one that I was playing, uh, graduating. Uh, and then suddenly I just felt like my, my heart seriously, literally was aching and I had to stop. I stopped. And um, I just felt like there was a revelation. I, I felt like, what am I doing? It, you know, if I'm going to continue doing something that I'm not um, so excited about, it's going to be different me. I would need to, you know, I would need, I would not, I would not be myself. And then I think that was that was also a very big turning point for me. Right, so you can't uh, get an emotional attachment to a computer like you can to an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly right, especially at this time, you know, just remember this. Like just right. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you about the, the, uh, the sound that you guys get with your band because there is, you know, to me, there is definitely um, a Chicago-style klezmer that, that you guys do. It's different from the New York style. It's different wow. from the Philly style, or the Boston style, or God forbid, our Los Angeles style. And, um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, we don't have a Los Angeles style. We just copy from everybody else. But, uh, um, yeah, but you guys have a, a certain approach to it that, that's, um, a little bit, um, unique. It's a little bit more maybe Russian, but jazzy at the same time. Can, can you kind of, uh, explain how you came up with that? 
Well, I'll start it and you finish it. How's that sound? Uh, we came up with the jazzy part because that's what the Chicago musicians, uh, you know, eat and drink and and uh, circulate amongst and breathe. And uh, those are the guys that, outside of the strictly classical um, violinist that uh, Alex's predecessor was, two predecessors were also classical violinists. Outside of that, all the musicians have a jazz, blues uh, background, and these are the bands they play in. So... You know, it, it just the same way that a klezmer musician takes something and it comes out with a Yiddish accent. You know, whatever um, my musicians touched, you know, that that came out. It came out a little swingy. It came out a little, you know, with, with a uh, w- yeah, with a Chicago accent, I guess. And uh, and that was at first um, problematic for me. And then I, I because I had a different a different uh, feel in my own mind. I'm a folk person, folk background, so this wasn't my genre so much, but um, eventually I was won over, and I thought, well, this is, this is if we can combine it, if, if I don't have to lose what feels authentic to me, which is a real Hasidic feeling crossed with a kind of a classical finesse, then I'm, you know, I think this is actually, it's fun, it's in sync with klezmer music. Klezmer is about improvising. Jazz is about improvising. Klezmer is about not playing what's written, you know, between the two bar lines and not playing the bar lines, and that's the same thing as jazz. So it all kind of melded together. Right. I, my my um, perception, my, my view on this is that the way I see it is this, that there's, a, there's a very obvious influence of jazz because musicians were, were said it right, they're breathing it. And um, also we have some... Um, I would say theatrical interest because we have uh, singers always uh, the other the other singer that we have um, is theatrically um, brought up. Yeah, they're actually both of our singers came out of musical theater. Um, not myself, but the 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 ones who uh, picked up after me are um, Lisa Fishman, who's now a neighbor of yours out in L.A. Uh, and who does, I think, Yiddish there, amongst other things. And uh, currently, Kimberly Nussbaum, also coming out of uh, out of musical theater. So definitely a lot of theatrical influence when it comes to the vocals. So exactly. So now if you mix it all together, now everyone wants to be happy, right? So here it is. <laughs> you know, I, I was uh, classically trained, but my diet always been beyond classical music. I, I never was nosed up that way. I always liked... Um, folk music and very respectful was to any kind of folk music. I am still like that. <laughs> Nothing changed in this. Um, and then um, for me, it was of course it was a big, big new thing is how to, you know, how to um, accommodate, the, how to understand jazz and jazz influence and how to how it mix it together so it will be a pretty nice balance between jazz, classical, uh, folk. And theater, and then eventually we're kind of making it into um, like a kaleidoscope, right? Something right that is sparkling in every in every way, and maybe perhaps that makes it sort of um, very successful as far as concert goes, because it's sort of something for for different types of audience. Everyone has has inclination and 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 their taste. Towards one thing or another thing, and when it's either it's mixed tastefully or it's towards one 
you know one part of the of the audience and then the other part of the audience. And that's I think that that's what makes it pretty exciting. Or changes. There's always a contrast. What we try to do when we line up a, a, an album or a concert is uh, one piece should not sound like the next piece. It shouldn't even sound exactly like the same band is playing it. You want contrast and you want to sort of change. It's like a scene change. The lights change. The costumes change, if you know what I mean. It should, right. you should feel like stepped into the 1940s in you know, in, in the Catskills. Now you've stepped into the 1920s in New York. Now you've stepped into, you know, the 1870s and, you know, somewhere in the shuttle and everywhere you step, you know, or it, it, the piece that Alex wrote for um, Eight Nights of Joy for our latest collaboration, uh, Crazy Dreidel, starts out with kind of a funk beat. You know, that's uh, it, 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 there should always be something to wake you up and catch your attention. Having said that, we don't tend to do um, edgy material, such as you might might be very popular on the East Coast. So that's a, a definite distinction. We're not. Um, I don't. I, I don't want to give the impression that we pander to popular taste. We pander to our own taste. It's not because we think, oh, you know, we can't do something more experimental. It's just that our own taste does not tend toward, let's say oh, what if we do a klezmer hip-hop thing? It's not, that's not what excites our own imaginations. Right. Yet you do, uh, uh, like you mentioned with Alex, you do some uh, original tunes, yeah. but they're, they're still in the somewhat traditional style then, right? Well, traditional in that harmonically. Right. Um, they're traditional, and they're also not, uh, I'm trying to think, the way my husband describes it, he says, uh, okay, he says, uh, uh, the, the, this piece to me, he'll be talking about something he's listening to, sounds like uh, a musician standing on the stage, you know, saying, it's all about me. <laughs> wow, you know, <laughs> wailing away and so on. Everyone pay attention. Everyone watch me. It's my 10-minute solo. You know, I, I, there's, there's an aesthetic to it where we're not um, trying to focus attention on the performer as some kind of a, you know, icon. It's 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 really about the music, right? Because it's it's not uh, uh, it's not Laurie and the Maxwell Street Band. It's the Maxwell Street Band, mm-hmm. and so everybody uh, has their own contribution. It's a more of a you know, like the ensemble thing rather than a, a, you yeah. know singular star personality yeah. or something, right? very much feeding off each other and, and to a certain degree a democracy, I would say. And we do try to bring out everyone's, uh, what, everyone, what everyone has to contribute, you know, and to layer it that way. Right. So uh, uh, sounds like Alex is doing some of the writing of these new tunes. So uh, Alex, what, where do you get the uh, inspiration from for, for the tunes that you're doing? Um, yeah. The inspiration comes uh, usually. It's it's interesting. It's it's usually um, comes from some incidents. So something happened like around, and and suddenly you go home and you you start thinking, oh wait a second, uh, what uh, what happens is this. Like for example, um, that there's um, there's something. There's something that that let's say people say you know hey you know let's 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 write another you know could you write another piece let's do something else and and 
so I say I always ask questions. I say, guys, what do you, what do you think? You know, should that should be? And uh, sometimes I have my strong idea, like, okay, I'd like to, to you know, uh, open up a new style, of, you know, uh, uh, open or, or offer a new style of music, uh, write something in that style. And then um, when I, usually what happens is that, like, I saw, I saw my my uh, my daughter was spinning the dreidel, the dreidel just dropped off the table and it was bounced, that's a bouncing off the table and then on the chair and then off the chair <laughs> on uh, uh, on the floor and I was kind of making funny noises and there was kind of like, wait a second, this is what we need to do from style to style, you know, what if I mix different styles together and then call it crazy dreidel, you know, so it's, and then it, there, was, there was the original uh, concept kind of Came together, came together this way, and then I talked to the musicians, and musicians would just like, "Hey, Alex, what if you do this? What if you do that?" And you know, I, I I'm always ears and 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 eyes when somebody's talking to me, and I and then I just sleep on it, and and just it was seriously just kind of like one day I just woke up, oh, here it is, and it's done. <laughs> Uh, so it's, it's boiling, boiling inside of me. Well, he's pretty eclectic because, like, the piece Galiziana versus Litvak, which is probably our most popular instrumental piece, from what I can tell, um, as the clarinet um, pitted against the violin. That's how we call it Galiziana versus Litvak. It's like you know, Jew on Jew violence. Right. So the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the they each tried to play this this song, they take turns playing this traditional dance. It's uh, called the Galicianer Tanz. Like that. And they play it a little bit faster, a little harder, a little more, you know, in complexity. And then they do it very fast in harmony. And the idea is, again, it's, 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 it's almost as if there's a rivalry going on. And it, then it, all of a sudden, for some reason that only Alex understands, it completely modulates four bars before the ending, and it's like, what, what happened? You know? So he has a very eclectic uh, imagination.
now we've been actually we've had the pleasure of uh performing in Europe eight times, mostly uh in those great German festivals like uh like Firth and so on and uh and Munich. And that is uh, one of the peak experiences I think of any musician's life. Are you have you uh had that enjoyable experience of uh playing to a European audience? No, I haven't yet. And I I'm dying I'd I'd like to go to uh uh, uh, Weimar sometime. That sounds like fun, and you know some of those Firth you're talking about. So, uh, it's sometime fabulous. they're very respectful, and they do understand that it's an artistry. It's an artistry. It's not just uh, you know an entertainment like a television. And audiences are so emotionally connected. You just feel like you're on fire. It's a fabulous experience. Besides just the band, you've got some other. Um, Activities that Maxwell Street is doing, the, your your uh, your youth uh, orchestra, and uh, you've got your music book uh, out published, and some other things that you're doing. So, right, um, joyous yeah. buzz. Well, we're trying to get the, the music out there and make sure that it's well seated into the communities that uh, that will play it. Uh, there's there's one thing we're very involved with is synagogue klezmer bands. Uh, we do two synagogue klezmer bands. We train uh, one at two different synagogues locally, but we hope that our our songbook, The Joy of Klezmer, our arrangement book, you know, helps other groups, and we've heard it has, to get their own bands going at different synagogues. I mean, this is the way the music's going to survive. It's not going to survive because, you know, we run around playing concerts or festivals. It's going to survive because the Jewish communities across the country or the world decide that they want to they want this to be their celebration music that's how it's going to be here in 10 years 20 years 30 years 50 years so we are very involved in in connecting kids with the music we do a a huge number of bar bat mitzvah parties and we're not ashamed of that we're really happy about that because that's how you get young people to say oh that's cool you know and also, they, yeah. they, and also, they become our, our future students. Right. They, they, uh, very often, we pick up the bar mitzvah kids as uh, junior klezmer uh, members after that. Right. And when we play weddings, we also pick up lots of ideas. How long is the chorus set? Is actually what the tempo is the right? Is the right? What what to do? Uh, you know how to mix together different styles of music that we play. How not to step you know on each other because then it's. Later on for the concert, it really helps to set up a better uh, set. So it's it actually um, outlines every genre better. Mm -hmm. so yes, sir. also very important. Right. So our weekly experience is in the community. Actually, that's that's where we that's where we continue to to uh, apply our trade on a regular basis, and then you know, and then the concerts on this on the uh, you know in in between. Oh, terrific! So you got steady activity going all the time pretty much so yeah pretty much with the I, it was it was definitely the case uh prior to let's say 2001 uh that was that was the where every weekend had three four bar mitzvahs and then we had you know 9-11 it seemed to kind of i don't know put a pall over everything and then it was picking up again and then you know about about a year and a half ago everything crashed down and People got very worried about spending their money, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, but it is picking up again, and the main reason is because you know people 
see us and uh, at one place, and they say, "Oh, well, that's that. That looks like a lot of fun." And uh, then we go to the next place. It's, it's, uh, it's so that's that's the daily bread, and it's it's important because honestly, this is how um, how the at least I could speak for Chicago how the Chicago Jewish community has become reacquainted with this as part of their culture. We're right now uh, about to do a program uh, with a local cantor who specializes in Moisha Oysher. So it's uh, um, called Moisha Oysher, the master singer of his people, with cantor Arik Luck over at Beth Emmett in Evanston. So we'll be uh, hopefully putting together a show with him that we can take different places. And we're going to be doing a uh, concert in Kansas City in April. Uh, and we do a, 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 a we've been doing an annual concert in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with Rabbi Joe Black, with whom we did the album Eight Nights of Joy. And uh, it looks like we'll be doing that. I think we'll be doing that in uh, this Hanukkah in Denver. in Denver, right? Wow! So you get around a little bit. That's good. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, let's say it's it's uh, schlepping a big band is not as uh, um, easy to do uh, right now as it was previously. But we are a big band, and we're right. you got what ten or twelve yeah. people. Yeah, the the, full, the the smallest band that we tour with is a single singer, plus clarinet, violin, trumpet, trombone, keyboard, bass, drums, and then hopefully our budget will allow there's a second vocalist, that's myself. Budget allows there's a third vocalist, that's a male, a tenor. Uh, budget allows there's a saxophone player uh, in addition. And then if, they, if it's still looking good, uh, Steve Weintraub and uh, his partner doing dancing. They do the klezmer dancing uh, choreography that he's created during the concert. So we're singing or playing and he's dancing. So you have a visual to illustrate how the how the music is danced, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And also, he excites the audience later on, usually. Oh yeah, gets out in the audience and grabs them and gets them gets them up and up and going. Lastly, how can people uh, find out more about your band or or find your CDs to buy? Okay. Well, most of the CDs are available on Amazon. That's the easy way. Uh, Eight Nights of Joy is also available on the, the label is called Sounds Right Music, so it's uh, and that's through URJ, which is the Reform Movement. Um, and I don't know exactly what their website is, but if you put Eight Nights of Joy into Google, it'll bring that up. Uh, that's a really good all-around um, holiday album. It's for Hanukkah and so on. So you know, it's a great thing to buy for families that have kids because it has all original music on it. Or they can buy it from directly from us. Right, get it from us. And we are located at www.klezmerband.com. And that shows you how old we are. <laughs> right, you get grab, got, grab that name first, huh? Yeah, we got klezmerband.com early on. <laughs> We're not letting go of it. No. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, Keith, what I would really say is that um, what we try to get across is that this is this is the, 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 obviously we are very devoted to the music because this is what we've been doing for you know a quarter of a century here, 
and there's a reason that we're doing it. It's 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 not just a gig for us. It's not just an entertainment. This is actually uh, us trying to be that link to carry the music on for another generation. Uh, but we also don't. We try not to take it either as too academic or too seriously. Lots of people seem to take themselves extremely seriously. Uh, they seem to find this. Um, a lot of uh, uh, importance in establishing a hierarchy of who are, you know, who is this and who is that. And we're not, I don't think, uh, I, I, I really feel like we, this is important for us to say this is not part of our self-image. We are interested in bringing the audience in. We're interested in exciting their imagination. We're interested in entertaining an audience and making them feel like they're sitting in the living room with us and just having a, a grand time. You know, so old people, young people, Jews, non-Jews, everyone should just get their, you know, get their hands in and, and just have have a uh, an, an emotional, a visceral uh, sense of joy out of what we're doing. Um, There's the mission. I'm sure they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. I think so. I mean, you can't be around for 25 years, you know, with without having some success with that. Well, yeah, we're looking for uh, I don't know another another twenty five years. Jeez. Ah, um, I was in O'Hare Airport last year, and I heard some klezmer mm-hmm. come on the PA That's system us. in the airport, and I think that, that, that sounded that like us. you. That is us. We, they've got what they do at O'Hare and Midway is, uh, which is very nice, considering that our local classical, st- uh, pardon me, our local um, uh, uh, public radio station is not. Doing a lot of this, so the O'Hare and Midway put out uh, performances, and there's a website that connects to it of Chicago musicians. So you know they've got our albums, and they're we're on rotation at the airports. It's always kind of fun. Wow, well, that's great. Yeah. So, so fly, fly the friendly skies. That's, <laughs> that's uh, right. <laughs> Maxwell Street. <laughs> yeah. Well, we give you a a, a great kudo uh, uh, and a lot of love from. Uh, from the very uh, cold and snowy land of uh, Chicago, and we hope we'll get out to see you sometime. <laughs> oh, that'll be fantastic! Uh, you know, if you ever uh, get something in uh, Los Angeles, be sure to let me know. We'll, we'll uh, let everybody know. And other than that, uh, keep checking with uh, Maxwell Street's uh, website. Is uh, cl- oh, klezmerband.com. How can you possibly forget it? Um, <laughs> check out klezmerband.com and and uh, see what uh, Lori and Alex are up to there in Chicago. Um, Lori, Alex, uh, thanks so much for uh, speaking with me today, and and uh, keep up your good work. Thank you, and Thank you too, Keith. It's a pleasure. It's like isn't. Hey, this is Yoshi Fruchter from Pitome, and you're listening to klezmerpodcast.com. All right, I'm back. That was my interview with Maxwell Street Klezmer band members Lori Lippitz, vocalist of the band and the band leader, and Alex Kaufman, violinist for the band. And we heard two tracks from Maxwell Street Klezmer band. The first was Abi Gesund from their album Eight Nights of Joy, and the second was an original by Alex Kaufman called Galicianer vs. Litvak on the album Old Roots, New World. 
I'd very much like to thank Lori and Alex for appearing on the podcast and also for providing the tracks for us to listen to. Again, the website is klezmerpodcast.com and the email is keith at klezmerpodcast.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you have a band that would like to appear or have your music played on the podcast, please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. You can also find me on Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, and last.fm at username Klezmer Podcast. And as a reminder, the music heard on Klezmer Podcast is for promotional purposes only and is used with permission. So that's about it for Klezmer Podcast 66. Thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed, tell your friends, and until next time, bye for now.